With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. America's fastest growing TV brand, TCL, brings you Mackie and Judd. Um, well, you know, do me a favor, just kind of sit up and just like have a little respect for the process. Every day you come and ask me questions and you just kind of like, you know, give me this. But I mean, like, just, just be a little respectful. Just, I'm asking just to be a little respectful in this whole process, okay? So ask me a question professionally and I'll answer it for you. That was Lions uh, head coach Matt Patricia last week addressing the Detroit media before they came to Minneapolis to get thumped twenty four to six or twenty four to nine by the Vikings. Um, I found it so ironic, and everybody's kind of picked over this story, but I found it ironic that a guy that looks like he just rolled out of bed after a weekend <laughs> bender yes. in sweatpants and a beard down to the floor with a pencil in his in his ear mm-hmm. is going to lecture reporters about their posture. And it should be noted, too, kudos to the Detroit News. After the uh, debacle loss on Sunday, their headline in the sports page was, bad posture and i believe that's what we in the industry call jamming it in and snapping it off yeah no kidding i mean i let me ask you this how if you had been that detroit reporter and i'm not sure who who exactly it was that got into it with patricia there but if that had been you how would you have handled that I'm, you know, I got a hot temper, you know, and I'm 47 years old, just turned 47 yesterday. I'm no kid. I, I, oh, I, I thank you. Um, I don't put up with that. I, I just, I just don't, I, I wouldn't put up with that because again, you're being lectured yeah. and, uh, you know, I, I, Patricia's coming on. I get this. There's, here's the problem too. There's a bunch of goons in the media as well. We're, mm-hmm. we're not above reproach. Here. Very fair. Yep. There's a bunch of slobs. I mean, we have some, some bad posture and some really poor dressers in this market. <laughs> And they would not pass up a free meal, you know, anywhere. They won't even go and work. They'll just get to the feed line. Anyway, all of that being said, I mean, there are plenty of slouches in every market in in this country. But no, I'm not going to be lectured to by, especially again, like I said, by a guy. I mean, if he was up there in a suit and, uh, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. advise that a little bit, he'd have a leg to stand on. But Matt Patricia, again, looks like a Sasquatch. Well, And And he's not Belichick. He doesn't have five Super Bowl rings yet. Yeah, I was just going to say, too, it's not like he he hasn't done anything. He's done nothing. It's Even if it's Belichick or, like, you know, Bill Parcells used to kind of needle with guys in the media in his time, too. Even, you know, even in the case of guys like that, you don't, you don't want to be somebody that puts up with that sort of thing. But it's like, Patricia, you of all people, like, you don't. You haven't done anything. And by the way, you you were a defensive coordinator on a Patriots team that got absolutely torched, outcoached, by, outcoached, and torched by Nick Foles in the Super Bowl. 
and you got hired to be the head coach of the Detroit Lions. You have done nothing yet. So why are you talking about have some respect for the prospect for the process? Sit up straight. Like, come on. Like, where do you get off on that? You know? I mean, we can talk about it because today President Trump had a uh, theater of the absurd news conference uh, after the midterm elections where he was he basically did. shouting down <laughs> reporters, calling them terrible and rude and sit down and. You know, an African-American woman asked him a question about immigration, and he he said, uh, that's a racist question. So, uh, you know, he had no respect for the process. Um, but I think what, but maybe today's news conference, and to a lesser extent the Patricia episode, kind of illustrates a little bit of this weird dance that you get. First of all, nothing is ever revealed at a press conference. Right. I mean, you can go, you know, you can ask 15 questions, and you might get one or two usable quotes especially Mm -hmm. in the nfl because particularly in the NFL, i mean mike zimmer would rather chew glass than walk up to that podium and take questions from football novices in his mind Mm -hmm. um and that's that's the thing there's there's very little information that's gleaned but it's still this perfunctory thing where we ask something you either lie we ask the coach something, coach either lies or sidesteps and answers it a different way, and the public isn't served either way. Um, but look, it's all part of the game. It's all in the game, as Omar would say. It's well, all in the game. That's your job, yeah. is to is you're the public face of the organization. Don't be a jackass. Not at the podium. You want to do it on the phone or via text message uh, or in person, that's fine, you know. I've had a couple of screaming matches with Mike Zimmer because I've written something he didn't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've also, you know, been lucky enough to go down on his ranch twice, so it's kind of a love hate yeah. type deal. But he's never done anything over the podium to me, and if he did, I'd push right back. Have Have you guys figured out a way to get in with Zimmer in particular a way, sort of a, a method to the dance that you're that you're talking about in terms of just knowing? what sort of questions you'll get something out of from him he, versus just yes and no, he, well, and I'm the not prob- going to talk about that. Well, the, and that that leaves it up to the journalist in particular to yeah. ask a precise, not a run-on, babbling, let me show you how much I know about the game question. Mm-hmm. It's basically... The football coaches hate oh, that. Yeah. Yes. You, you need to tailor your question that either puts them in the position to lie or evade, and then you can see it's obvious they don't want to answer that question. It's a craft. Mm-hmm. I mean, people don't realize that. They think the media is just a bunch of jackals, but the reality is we're trained in what we do. This is our job, and it ain't easy questioning people in authority yeah. uh, when things go wrong. It takes a certain amount of skill set and gumption. But what what the idea is, if you're going to ask Zimmer about an injury, you're very unlikely to get anything not, that's revealed. A damn thing. And don't don't leave it open-ended for a yes or no answer because that's what you're going to get. So what you try to do is you try to, you know, you're almost like a prosecuting attorney or you're cross-examining a witness. You want to kind of go over what they've said in the past, maybe trip them up or not trip them up, but question their credibility or, you know, literally box them in to have to make a decision. Okay, this is a legitimate question. Am I either going to sidestep it, tell the truth or lie? And for most, for the most part, coaches lie. You know, and and we yeah. and we know they're lying, and they know we know we're lying, <laughs> and the public knows that we know that they're lying. It's just, it's an it's it's just a it's a song and dance. It's it reveals nothing. Um, if you get somebody one on one, that's where you're going to get something. Yeah, and and I've noticed, and I and I've interviewed coaches before. I was on the high school level from you know my days of covering high school. They're sports, just glad to see you. Yeah, a lot of them are. They're just glad to see you, and you you basically can just ask them about how a certain kid is performing and. 
they like to talk about how a certain kid is performing or how the team is doing and and everything. And usually when you're when you're interviewing, you know, high school coaches, you're usually talking about, you know, all all the positive things that are going on. You're not, you know, chastising a kid that might have, you know, fumbled a ball or threw an interception or something like that. You're not really talking about those things. But it, I have noticed that it's 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 certainly not intimidating for like for me it was never intimidating to talk to a high school coach because it they're they're a lot more personable you know they're a lot more personable and but man college coaches and you know pro coaches in every sport but football in particular I I tip my hat to you because I don't know how you guys do it and and get you know try and get the most you possibly can out of coaches, especially ones that you know aren't going to give you much of. Well, in the classes, and I get into this on Twitter all the time with readers uh, or or fans. Um, you know, Mike Zimmer walks on water. I get that, okay, but you know, there's all of the sense of he owes you nothing. You you you're just harassing him. You you shouldn't be mean to him. And it's like it's not about being mean. Yeah. We're here to serve you. I will not lose a wink of sleep if I never ask Mike Zimmer another question. I could care less. I really don't care what he has to say because for the most part, what he says um, is useless. But the stuff that is useful, I'm going to put it in the story. Mm-hmm. But we're the conduit, you know. We're we're you know we're not. This isn't a noble profession like we're holding public officials accountable like the Washington media is. Look, it's sports. It's mm-hmm. it's it's not the the, the stakes are not that high in that regard. But, you know, as as a news consumer and as a fan, don't you want to know these things? Yeah. And and if your coach is being a jerk, don't you want to know why he's being a jerk or the fact that he is? Or are you just going to blame the media? Look, we're, we're, we're everybody's huckleberry, right? Anybody can blame the media. Um, but in, if it's done right, and, and it's, look, we've got plenty of people that have done it horribly, but if it's done right... It's to serve the public interest, even in sports. That's what we're doing it for. I don't care if the Vikings win or lose. I don't care if they moved to Los Angeles. I don't have a vested interest in that. But what I do have is a passion for writing and a passion for uh, doing the job, asking the hard questions, and maybe right. giving people a morsel of information that they may not hear, they may not know. Uh, or they wouldn't know without somebody asking them. It's certainly not the Vikings.com people, no offense, but they're the house organs, and they very rarely ask any questions, and if they do, they're they're meatballs and softballs, and that's fine. They have a role to play. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but somebody's got to an- ask these questions, and, you know, just every once in a while, you might get an answer to something. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's crazy. I, I will say there are some instances with coaches, and, you know, I'll use, like, Greg Popovich as an example where – Sometimes it ends up being funny. Yeah, because he, he's you know, a curmudgeon, and everybody yeah, knows he's a curmudgeon. Yeah, but at the same time, I also feel bad for you know those those end of first quarter, second quarter interviews, those in between quarters interviews that he does that he hates doing that yeah. he gives you the one word answers. Right, they're funny, but at the same time, I also feel feel for the reporter a little bit because. But they know what they're getting into at this yeah, point. It's do. not like yes, he's biting his head now, off. Yeah. You know, everybody knows he's going to be crusty, and and it does make for a little bit of theater. So yeah. anyway, a little bit of behind the curtain stuff, folks. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is sort of how it goes. It's a song and dance that we play with these coaches and players all the time. Uh, coming up, we're going to have Rich Gannon at, at five fifteen to talk about Vikings and uh, the NFL. Uh, this is Brian Murphy in for Mackie and Judd on fifteen hundred ESPN. Go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN. 
Mackie and Judd are back. Start churning butter and put on your church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast off. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check your traffic here before we get to Rich Gannon here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. 94, we've got a crash uh, near Maple Grove. That's uh, between Weaver Lake Road and uh, 494, causing about an extra three-minute delay there. So be on the lookout for that. Murph? So the Vikings, it looks like they've righted the ship. They've got victories in four of their last five games. They go into the bye at 5-3-1 and one, and feeling pretty good after perhaps their most complete victory, uh, certainly a defensive domination of the, the Lions last week, 24-9 with the team record. 10 sacks they're getting a little bit they're getting healthier so they're hitting this last seven game stretch probably with as much momentum as they can hand we bring in rich gannon here the former nfl nvp and cbs uh analyst uh rich do you think uh the vikings have turned things around truly i think so i i'm, I'm really i guess encouraged about their defense i mean to me that was the one thing that was that was still lagging behind a little bit. Uh, I think they just unloaded against the Lions, and and uh, that that's going to, I think, serve them well the second half of the season. I mean, you look around. I just got done watching the Packers on tape. I mean, if you say who's their dominant player defensively, it's no longer Clay Matthews. It's not even Nick Perry. I mean, they've they've combined for just four sacks. So. You know, I don't think they have the firepower defensively. You look at you know where the Bears are at. I still think they're a year away. Um, you know, obviously, Khalil Mack's situation, uh, the injury situation there, and how healthy and how productive he can be the next month will certainly uh, go a long way to determining where they're at. But I just think the Vikings have the best defense in the division. Kirk Cousins has been a huge, huge upgrade um, over what they had a, a year ago with Case Keenum. And so, to me, I think they're the team to beat uh, in the second half of the season. Uh Cousins, you mentioned, he's got some gaudy statistics. He's also got 11 turnovers. Uh, they haven't all been fatal, uh, but there's been a little bit of cause for concern by that. What uh, What do you make of the – how do you reconcile how well uh, – the production that he's given with the turnovers? Yeah, that, that's what you can't tolerate. And then if you go back and really study him a little bit, even with Washington, the ball security, it can be – and if you're him in the pocket, uh, it's not just the interceptions, it's putting the ball on the ground. And so that's something he's got to clean up, particularly in the second half of the season. You know, you just, I think you got to understand that, you know, you, you don't give your team a chance to win when you're not taking care of the football. And so I think at times he's got a little bit of a gunslinger mentality. At, at times he thinks he can make every throw. I go back to the Rams game early in the season where he was just, you know, dropping dimes. And, you know, he, he's capable of that, but it's sometimes – Guys, when you have a great player, or I shouldn't say, you got a really good player, uh, he's got a tendency to think that you know he can make every play. And sometimes the best play, the only play, is throwing it away and living for another down. I mean, go back and look at a guy like Brett Favre. I think the big critique of him, and he threw a lot of interceptions. He's a great player, but he had a difficult time giving up on plays because he felt like he could make every play. And I think Cousins has a little bit of that in, in him as well. You mentioned earlier the Bears. Do you think they they might be a year from being? sort of uh, hitting their stride, but defensively, I mean, you can't argue with the results, and this is the Vikings' next opponent coming out of the bye at Soldier Field. So it, the record says they're the class of the division, but you're still a little skeptical? Yeah, I still think, you know, I think it gets back to the quarterback. I mean, uh, I think the, the, the head coach and play caller, Matt Nagy, has done a really nice job managing him. Uh, he you know, doesn't still, I mean, 
you know, he does still doesn't have a ton of experience. Um, and I think he's still learning on the job. I think he's getting better, but, um, you know, I just, I, I don't know that he's good enough right now and they're good enough in the passing game. I think he makes plays with his legs. You know, he's, he's capable of doing that. He's capable of extending plays, but when you keep him in the pocket and you force him to function as a pocket passer, um, you know, then, then he's not nearly as efficient or as accurate. So to me, um, I think they're getting better. I really like Matt Nagy. He's a Delaware guy, as you guys know. I'm from Delaware, mm-hmm. but I, I, just, I just get the sense that um, they. I, I still think I still think the Vikings are the best team in the division. I, you know, I don't think the pack. You know, for years, Aaron Rodgers was good enough just to carry him on the shoulders. I just don't think they've got enough pieces around them right now. When you look at the defense and where they're at, um, and offensively, they just don't run the ball consistently enough, and they've had some injuries as well. Rich, let's talk about the Packers for a second a little bit more because obviously there's there's a lot of heat on Mike McCarthy right now and I mean we you hear at the station we've we've been having some fun with the uh with the fan in Milwaukee the the post game show for the Packers after they lost on Sunday night and a lot of people are mad at Aaron Rodgers right now for whatever reason that may be um but where where do they go from here I mean they're 0 4 on the road and there's a lot of heat on McCarthy right now are they are they in a position where they could maybe go on a run here, or are they are they better served just sort of playing out this year and and maybe focusing on the off season? I don't know what's going to happen. You know, they 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 they've made some significant changes to the roster. Uh, you know, you got rid of a couple players. Uh, you know, on how how Clinton Dix came as a surprise to some people. I don't think they were going to pay him that kind of money in the off season. Ty Montgomery. Uh, you know, a converted receiver. I don't know that he ever made them. You know, uh, he, he just, I don't think he's ever going to be a great running back. You know, I just, I just don't. And so, uh, you know, they got a new general manager. I, I don't know how things are going to end. I, I would say this, they're 3 0 1 at home, so they're a much different team at home. You look at Rogers' numbers, you look at the numbers across the board, they're a much better team at Lambeau, obviously. But the three, four, and one, I think they win this weekend against the Dolphins because Osweiler's, Brock Osweiler's playing and he's, he is probably one of the the worst quarterbacks in football, and that's a, probably putting it nicely. I mean, he, they were awful last week, and still found a way to get a win against the Jets. But uh, no, no thanks from him. But I, I just think they'll win this week. But then they've got to go to Seattle, to Minnesota, and, and they're two tough games for the Packers. I mean, if they could win the next three, then all of a sudden things look a lot different, not only for the Packers but also in the division. But that's 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 asking a lot to go out to Seattle and beat the Seahawks, um, and then to come to Minnesota and beat the Vikings. They'd have to really play well, and it'd have to start with Aaron Rodgers. Rich Gannon is our guest. He joins us each week uh, to kind of break down uh, Vikings past performances and uh, some news and notes around the league. Now, the biggest and most entertaining game of the week last week was the Rams visiting the Saints. They were in a shootout. New Orleans won to improve to seven and one. The Rams fell to to eight and one. They were the last undefeated team. What did you learn about both teams uh, in this wild, wild affair? Well, let me start with the the Saints. I don't think anyone's talking enough about how well their offensive line has played. I mean, they've done an unbelievable job opening up holes for Ingram and Kamara. And then you look at the season that Drew Brees has had. I mean, a lot of people are talking about Mahomes as you know at, at the halfway point, the MVP certainly deserves consideration, but guys, Drew Brees is completing 76% of his passes. He's thrown, I think, 18 touchdowns and just one pick. I mean, he's, he, and, you know, he's just, he's incredible. I, I think the defense has improved a little bit, uh, but, you know, they, 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 they dropped 
you know, they put 45 on the, on, on the Rams. The Rams are still a good football team. Um, I think they're struggling a little bit in the secondary. Um, I, I, I think they have a very, really good offense. They got one of the best running, they've made probably the best running back in football, but, uh, Gurley and Goff are a really good pairing, but, um, they're, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be right there at the end and that'll be a great, uh, I think they'll win their division and, uh, I think they can do some damage in the postseason, but don't count out the Saints. I mean, the Saints, I think, are good enough to to get back to a NFC Championship game. Well, and the Saints, by getting this win, too, Rich is they kind of have a one up on the Rams now, right? Like if they if they finish oh, with yeah. the same record, if they both finish, you know, thirteen and three or something like that, the Saints well, head to head. The Saints will yeah. have the head to head, and the next thing you know, the 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 road to the Super Bowl is going to have to go through the Superdome. And you don't want to do that. Because no, it's one of the loud loudest indoor stadiums and all of football it's i mean it's, it's got that solid roof so the, the noise reverberates right back onto the playing surface it's so hard to communicate down there they've got a great record at home and but guys i just you know i i think there's a sense of urgency with sean payton and drew Brees. i think drew Brees realizes that the end is near although he's playing a you know and at a you know a pro bowl and mvp caliber level but i think when you get to that point when you get to be 40 years old or whatever he is you start saying you know what i you know i'm not going to be able to play another 10 years right if we're going to win our second super bowl it's got to be it's it's got to be now and i think he's playing that way and i think that's a good sign for the saints rich why do you think drew Brees gets left out left out of the greatest of all time conversation which became really suffocating with last week's tom brady and aaron Rodgers duel you know, it's a great question. I mean, he's got he's got the numbers that that you know. I, I don't know if it's because he's down in New Orleans, uh, he's won a Super Bowl. I mean, I, I think part of the problem is is that anytime you start talking about anything that's to do with Brady, I mean, it's hard to com- compete and compare because you know he's won so many Super Bowls, he's been to so many. I mean, um, I begin to lose track of how many he's lost. I mean, I think he's, like, he's lost three Super Bowls. Is that right? Yeah, he's, he's been to eight and won one five of them. Yeah, so I mean, you know, look. <laughs> The mere fact that he's won five, set that aside for a second. He's been to eight Super Bowls, guys. It's yeah. incredible. I mean, you know, I played 17 seasons. I made it to one. You know, so it's hard. And uh, so I think when you start comparing yourself to, like, the Mount Everest, that's hard. But I think certainly Drew Brees is one of the greatest to ever play the position. He's, a, he's, a, he's an undersized quarterback. He's been so efficient. He's so accurate. He's tough. He's durable. He doesn't miss starts. Um, and to think that Nick Saban, when he was with the Miami Dolphins, had the opportunity to either sign Drew Brees or Dante Culpepper, he decided to take Culpepper with the bad knee as opposed to Brees, the bad yeah. shoulder. And yeah. Had he taken Brees, who knows, maybe Nick Saban would still be coaching the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the Vikings are going on a bye this week. Uh, what's the most radical thing you did on a bye? Did you just... Lay on the couch, take trips, but you know, hang with the family. What was your ideal buy? Yeah, the ideal buy was when I was with the Raiders, and we were real close to Napa Valley. I would go up to Sonoma. The Sonoma Mission is it was like a spa, and I would lay in the hot tubs for like three days straight. That's that was like the that was like the best thing. And then go out at night and drink some nice good wine, and like a nice good glass of wine, and then go back and lay in the hot tubs for another. But it was so close, it was only about, uh, you know, 50 minutes, an, an hour from our facility. But I never did anything. Look, you know, sometimes, guys, when you're hurt, you can't you can't leave. Like, you know, I remember when I was in Kansas City with Marty Schottenheimer, I was hurt. And this wasn't anything major, but I had a hamstring. And, and Marty's like, well, anyone who's got an injury that's on this list is not, not allowed to leave for the bye. you got to stay and get treatment every day. So, you know, I... Uh, I stuck around K 
Kansas City and Arrowhead and got treatment every day. So it all depends. But most important thing is you get off your feet, you relax a little bit, you get away from the game, you kind of recharge your batteries, you come back for the second half of the season and try and put together what you hope is going to be a championship run. Rich, uh, we'd be remiss if we did not uh, ask you about uh, someone you knew very, very close, very, very close to. Uh, Viking family lost someone, Bill Boom Boom Brown, uh, earlier this week. And uh, just what what can you say about just uh, the kind of special guy, certainly a special player, but uh, a special guy off the field as well? Well, guys, you're kind to, to remember Bill. He was a... Uh, he was a special guy. You know, I grew up in Philadelphia as a young boy watching the Minnesota Vikings and, and Bill Brown and never thought that one day, you know, I'd come to Minnesota and he'd be my father-in-law. But he was, um, he was an amazing guy, you know, very, very humble. Um, you know, played 14 seasons, uh, 13 with the Vikings, played multiple Super Bowls and was a four-time Pro Bowl. And he, he was a great player. But I would always sit down with him and, and at the dinner table or just when we were together for a family outing or picnic, whatever. And I... He would never talk about football, never talk about his career, never talk about the Vikings. I was the one who was always saying, hey, tell me about Fran Tarkenton. Hey, what was, you know, uh, you know, Mick Tinglehoff like? And what was Bud Grant like? And, and even when I would probe him and, and ask him for questions, ask him questions, he was so self-spoken and, and uh, it was never about him. It was always about his family and the kids and, and everybody else. And he had a way of making everyone feel that they were special. So... Uh, we miss him. Uh, you know, obviously, his last, you know, obviously the last several years have been very difficult as he struggled with some, some illness and, and certainly the dementia and things that certainly were a product of playing for so many seasons and having so many concussions. But um, he's in a better place to know that. Uh, you know, and obviously he's looking down on us from above, and, and uh, we, we miss him, but we love him. And, and uh, so many Viking fans have been so wonderful to Shelley and to her um, brothers and sisters and just, uh, just, supporting and just little words of encouragement just saying you know that they really appreciated the not only the kind of uh, not only the career but the kind of person that bill brown was so uh thank you for uh thank you for for remembering him yeah it's it's, it's great rich because you know my stepdad oscar reed played with him for a handful oh, yeah. of seasons and oscar always told me this story in fact this quote was in uh the strip uh, i saw that, on that. Yeah. yeah where oscar walks into training camp his rookie year and he goes up to bill and he says hey i'm here to take your job and boom boom looks at him and says all right I'm, come on i'll help you <laughs> like, but, but that just speaks that just speaks to the kind of person that that uh that bill was it really does and and there, there weren't a lot of guys like that but he you know he was one of those guys down at mankato at training camp he'd stay up late at night love playing cards with the guys and uh you know his last year was the captain of the special teams he would do anything he just loved playing the game and so um uh, we'll remember him, uh, and obviously, uh, as a former player, I, I looked up to him and I admired what what, uh, what he meant to the great game of football. All right, Rich, appreciate it as always. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Rich. All right, that was Rich Gannon. Uh, it's 531 here on Wednesday afternoon. Brian Murphy in for Mackie and Judd. We'll bring this in for a soft landing coming up next. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Join Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgat for a live taping of the Purple Podcast at Lucky's 13 Pub 
in Plymouth tomorrow night from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. We'll be giving away a pair of tickets to watch the Purple take on Miami and other fantastic 1,500 ESPN prizes. Lucky's 13 Pub in Plymouth tomorrow from 5 to 7 p.m. Details at 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. Brian Murphy here in for Mackie and Judd for the last half hour. Uh, we've been talking football most of the time, and we just got off with Rich Gannon. Uh, he talked a lot about the Packers, and it's funny that, you know, Vikings fans, you know, revel in this, but the fact that Mike McCarthy is actually on the hot seat, that there yeah. actually is some serious scrutiny of Aaron Rodgers, um, you sort of see this as like a pivotal moment in the Packers' history. I mean, they're going to have to – they aren't who they were. They're not that intimidating. They're still tough to play at Lambeau. I think they're undefeated there. They got the one tie against mm-hmm. the Vikings, and as Three the weather one, turns, yeah. you know they're going to have more of an advantage. But they got to go on the road to Seattle and come here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, it ain't going to be easy, and they they basically have to run the table now to get in. And for them, you 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 said it perfectly. It, this is a pit of pivotal time for their franchise because you've got this great quarterback who is not a spring chicken anymore. Aaron Rodgers is going to turn thirty five, I think. In, is he really? I think in 35? December he'll be thirty five in December. I think. So, you know, you and and with quarterbacks, you tend to sort of give them sort of a longer shelf life in terms of like we're seeing quarterbacks, you know, we're seeing Drew Brees, who's almost 40, who's playing at a high 35 level. 35 is the new 25. Yeah. Tom Brady is 41 and he's still playing at a high level. So you, the window is not closing on Aaron Rodgers. But if you're the Packers, you got to understand he's not a spring chicken anymore. He's not 27 anymore like he was when you won that Super Bowl. So you got to start trying to put together something that can win right now. And, you know, listen, if if they got to change the head coach to, to do that, to go into a different direction offensively because the same sort of things that they were doing eight years ago when they won the Super Bowl is not has been sort of countered by teams around the league now. It's not as effective because – you know, you you look around. I mean, Sean McVay is imaginative, man. He's putting together the, that juggernaut of an offense. He's yeah. put together with the Rams and the Saints with Drew Brees. Peyton has adjusted to the way the league is being played, and it just seems like Mike McCarthy is behind the times. Behind the times a little bit. Now, listen, I'm not shedding a tear for the Packers at all. Like they've had basically two quarterbacks, two franchise quarterbacks in 20 years. Tw- no, 20, 27. 20, 27 years. So I'm not, like, shedding a tear for them, but if you're just thinking about the direction that they need to go in, they got to start thinking about where they're at right now and sort of reevaluating. And this, the, the regime change that they had up top, too. Yeah. It's not Ted Thompson running things anymore. Um, you know, they cut Jordy Nelson, which was kind of an unpopular move. It might mm-hmm. not have been the worst move to make, but um, you've got to wonder, you know, I, I asked this question to Spielman yesterday. He didn't answer it, but... How many wins do you think you need for the NFC North this year? Can ten wins do it? If it's ten, five, and one, I think ten and five and one would do it. Um, You might even be able to just get with go with nine. I mean, because I don't know if I don't think the Packers, the way things are set up for them right now, and they've got a tough schedule, just like the Vikings do the next month or Mm -hmm. so. And they're they're sort of behind the eight ball now because they're under five hundred and they've got that tie in there with the Vikings and they're a couple games back there. The Bears, I don't think. I mean, I think the Vikings are the best team in the division. I think most I think, people I think would most agree people with that. Believe that, but 
the Bears have like the easiest schedule left. Yeah, because they were terrible, so they got they got the uh, yeah, the low so ball they, schedule. So they got the the bottom feeders of the other divisions on their on their schedule. So, I the Vikings are going to have to be careful here, and they're going to have to try and 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 sort of survive this next wave of of games, and maybe this bye week will help guys get healthier and everything. But they got to survive this wave and finish the season strong because even though they're better than the Bears. The Bears are going to have an easier schedule, so the Bears, I don't think, are really going to go away quietly. And then you got to play them twice. Yep, and they usually traditionally they have struggled at Soldier Field over the years. There's yes. some weird stuff that's, that's a happened house of there. Horrors, man! Yeah. It, it doesn't even matter if the I've said this. It doesn't matter if the Bears are the worst team in the league. Whenever the Vikings go there, it is even when they win there, it is ugly. A, it is <laughs> ugly. It is a grind. It is a struggle. It is. A house of horrors, Soldier Field, and it's always been that way for this team. Well, remember last year, Sam, poor Sam Bradford, they hobbled, they oh, made him hobble out there, and he sat. In no that, business out there. Had that he sat, he sat in that end zone for what seemed like an eternity before getting collapsed for a safety, and he was just, he just looked like a ninety-year-old man out there on that field. That was an ugly game. And then I, I think of a game, maybe two or three years ago. Um, oh, I got Soldier Field memories. For, okay, for well, days. what was the year? Okay. What was the year that uh, Jay Cutler hit uh, Brandon Marshall, who beat Chris Cook to the pylon as time expired? Does that ring a bell to you? It was just, it was uh, maybe 2011, might, 2012. That might have been like 2010, maybe, or 2011. Because 2011, they went to Soldier Field and got waxed because that was the game McNabb got benched and Christian Ponder oh, that's made his right. debut. That's right. They I remember that. blown out in that game. Um, I remember the overtime game in 09 where Adrian fumbled in overtime. Yeah, and then, but had a monster game. Yep, and Favre, Favre led the comeback. I remember com- the comeback from, I think, 24 to 6 down, and they he hit he hit Sidney Rice on the uh, on the fourth and goal play to tie the game. But then Adrian fumbled in overtime, and then Cutler hit somebody. I don't know. It was I think it might have been Devin or Rose should do over it. the middle. You're going to find out, Murph, and we've been having some fun with this. I remember ridiculous things. I know. I've heard yeah. you're the oracle. Yeah. That's what we call you. And so I remember that. I remember the Chad Hutchinson game. That but you don't lost. remember the one I'm talking about, do you? I know. I'm trying to figure out what Jay that Cutler was. hit. I think it was Brandon Marshall, Brandon Marshall, but it might not. It might have been somebody else. It was like a. And he beat Chris Cook. It was like fourth down and, and goal from, say, the 10. That there was like, been like 10 seconds on the clock. I wonder if that was 20, 2010. And maybe. he beat Cook, and it was the last play of the game. I mean, they kicked the extra point, but it was similar to the miracle. I'm pretty sure the clock maybe, ran out on that. Maybe 20. That might have been 2013. But you have zero recollection of that. I That's have zero funny. recollection of that. Maybe yeah, I'm just making it I up. I, I, I can see it because it was in the same corner of the end zone where yeah. the press box was. Because yeah. the press box is off center there. So it was literally right in front of us, and I can still see the... The play, Cook just you know looking for help and didn't get it, and yeah. he got beat to the pylon, and it was the last play of the game. The ones that I remember at Soldier Field, I remember the Chad Hutchinson game, and I think that might have been 2003, 2004-ish maybe. But what was the Chad Hutchinson game? Well, he, you know, Chad Hutchinson was just bad. He was just one of the worst teams or one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. He's like the third stringer for the Bears because I think like Grossman and like uh, who was the – the uh, Kyle uh, Kyle Orton, I think, might have been hurt or something. I, I don't. Orton wasn't remember. playing there that long ago, was he? Oh four, yeah, maybe. Oh four, oh five ish, maybe. Okay, well, but, the, yeah, you're right. Okay, but yeah, but Hutchinson, like, he was terrible. He was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. He was like Brock Osweiler, basically. And 
Didn't get paid like Brock. No, that's very true. But the Vikings went into Soldier Field and he beat them like 24 to 10 or something like that. It was just disgusting. And and they also, I mean, to pivot off of uh, Soldier Field, they also have to go to Seattle. And they've looked awful in Seattle a couple of times as well. And 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 Seattle's a down year, but that's still an awful, uh, it's a very difficult place to play. And they're starting to, Seattle's starting to play a little bit better. They're starting to play a little bit better. They're not a great team. They're not the same Legion of Boom that they were, but. That place is still a tough place to play, and Russell Wilson, you give him opportunities, he can he can still burn you. So, and they got the Dolphins at home, right? Dolphins at home, and then uh, they got a home game against the Bears somewhere. In That's there. the last game of the season, and the week before that, they're at Detroit. I'm wondering mid. Oh, they got to go to Foxborough. Yep, Foxborough, uh, in, de- in December. Yeah, it could yep. be nasty up there. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, I'm I'm already even looking at that one as a game that they're probably going to lose. I mean, they're going to lose maybe at least probably two more games, I think. So, but if you can get to 10, five and one, I think you'll be in pretty good shape to win the division at that point. Right. And then, but, but you're going on the road. Yeah. But you're, and you're, you're not getting of, a buy, but, and I, and I'll go back to the Buffalo game again. You're, you're out of bad losses. You don't, you don't have any more get out of jail free, you know, bad losses where you can sort of absorb. One Miami of would again. be that Miami would be that. And in a way, kind of, Chicago would kind of be that. Like you got to win at Chicago now. Yeah, I because agree because they're in a the driver's seat. If you're figuring, okay, you want to get to ten wins and win the division that way, probably your best the, the best way to your best chance of winning the division is to get to ten. You're two with losses, two wins with two wins over Chicago with two wins over Chicago. Your two losses, you're probably figuring Seattle, New England, and that's probably going to be it. You know, that's probably the ones that you can probably stomach and be fine. But you got to win at Detroit, which shouldn't be that awful because they're giving up. Right. At Chicago. At Chicago. Take care of business at home against the Dolphins and the Bears. And the Packers. And the Packers. Yeah. That's five home games. That's five right there. That gets them them to 10. Yeah. Yeah. So. So 10, 5, and 1. That's what we're going to go with. 10, 5, and 1. I think that'll get it done for the division. And then there'll be a wild card team, right? Or they'll have to play a wild card team. They'll be at home, though. They'll be at home for the first round. Just like, just like against the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if they win, you're going to L.A. or you're going to New Orleans pretty much. Yeah. And if you're a three seed and you win, you're going to whoever the two seed is, which right now could be the Rams. Right. So, I don't know. I'd feel better if it's the Rams. We talked about that earlier in the show instead yeah. of going down to uh, that cauldron of noise in, in uh, New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, 545, uh, when we come back, we will wrap up this edition of Mackie and Judd with a visit from Patrick Royce. This is Brian Murphy on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've had to date. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. You're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. All right, let's just let's uh, check traffic here before we wrap things up with Patrick Royce. 94 eastbound, we've got a crash in St. Paul. That's between Marshall Avenue and Creighton Vandalia. Uh, that is about a 15-minute delay. So if you're at an eastbound of 94, be on the lookout for that. Also, 35W southbound, we've got a crash in Richfield uh, between 66th Street and West 76th Street. Uh, about an extra eight minutes there, Murph. Thanks for that update on I-94. That's my route home. I will now oh, be taking University Avenue. There so you that go. Was very productive. Avoid the, avoid the highway if you can. All right, Patrick, how late did you stay up watching political coverage? Look at the traffic report. First of all, Murph, you don't even have to look at the uh, traffic report. There's a car accident on that road every day. So you don't on 94? Not about, in that little stretch. About this time. Oh, okay. Oh, I uh, actually, I spent... 
I had a day to do nothing. I watched all 10 episodes of Better Call Saul from uh, the third season. Outstanding. I got to wait. And then I would check over. And uh, when I, I early on, they were saying that the Dems had the House and the uh, Republicans had the Senate, and that uh, nothing changed. It looked like looked like we were getting a DFL sweep in the uh, in the uh, state offices. So it wasn't really a night you had to stay up too late, was it? I mean, no, you know, it wasn't. Was I was in bed that. by eleven as well. Everything had been determined. Now, did you happen to see uh, Trump's news conference today? That was a, oh, uh, that was a you know Shakespearean. What the did today? You know what he did today? By fire. Like, first of all, he fired Sessions five minutes after the yeah. after the press conference. You know what he did today? He gave another half million hits to the failing New York Times. Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> they are probably all feeding sold, off of this uh, corpse. Probably sold him another twenty five thousand uh, digital subscriptions. They're making more money than they've ever made in their life. And uh, I don't know if he knows he's doing that for him or not, but uh, they're, uh, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're very, the Washington Post and the New York Times are very grateful for uh, having this guy in office, I'll tell you that. Hey, you've, had a, you've been to a million press conferences in, uh, in your long career. Has it ever gotten as testy and personal uh, with, say, Bernsey? Uh, uh, oh, no, Bernsey's were always, he was not you know, usually he wasn't mad at the question answers. He was mad at, uh, by, by the way, I got a tip for everybody on Bernsey. Uh, Deadspin is doing a piece yeah. on the Bernsey tirade that's going to be posted probably tomorrow. So Outstanding. One of their guys uh, ran across it, and, and he never heard, he'd never heard it, and he, he thought it deserved more fame, so I think it's going to be on tomorrow. Is this yeah. the Schne- uh, Schenkel, Schneichel or Schnauker? Yeah. Pat, I can't tell you enough like how much joy it brings to my heart when I can show people the the Bernsey rant that that have never seen it before. It's like when I, if I if it ever comes up and I say, "Have you ever seen the Bur- the the Jerry Burns rant?" They're like, "No, what are you talking about?" I was like, "Ah, hang on, let me show." Anderson, you. he lost his shoe. Yeah, it's yeah. just it, we don't I, coach that. It's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, well, anyway, that's, you know, he's going to get some uh, dead spend recognition, I think. Uh, the guy texted me a while back and said he thinks he's going to post it tomorrow. So, Well, what was the most morning. contentious news conference you were involved with? I'm trying to recall. More of mine have been some guy telling me to my, you know, some guy telling me that, you know, not, not, not in an open press conference. Like, I'm trying to think of one. Where guys were, people were screaming at each other. I've, at birth, you probably like me, I've been in more scrums where the reporters ended up going after each other. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Tape recorders or throwing punches or something like that. I've never had a, a crazed uh, coach one. I mean, I've had, uh, I think one of my proudest moments is, uh, uh, that, uh, when Blyleven left the first time when he got traded. He mentioned the uh, that uh, this town had two overweight gentlemen uh, who would uh, I, I don't I don't want to say would, would perform a sexual act on someone of their own sex, you know. <laughs> he, he, and and they were both very overweight, and one was Calvin, and I was the other one. I'm very proud of that one. Those so exit snarling for Bert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a. That was a good one, but uh, we 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 solved that problem when he came back the last time, sort of. But uh, anyway, so you never. Yeah, I guess that uh, Ron. I guess my all timer one on one is uh, 
was Ron Jackson. Uh, uh, I called him. I said, Papa Jack has become Papa Up in the Sporting News. I was a Sporting News correspondent during the winter, and I show up in spring training, and he's coming at me. He's got a bat in his hand. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I even forgot I even writ, I had written it, but we ended up being okay. Yeah, nothing, uh, nothing, nothing to compare with that. So, so you, you and Denny, you and Denny never had had anything, Pat? No, not really. Denny never gave us the satisfaction. The Denny's tirade in Arizona was worse than anyone he ever had here. Mm. But by far worse than he had, any had here because he, he he wouldn't give you the satisfaction of knowing you got to him, you know. So up here, but by the time he got to Arizona, see, when he was here, the first three years were pretty good. So and then the hostility started after the uh, expose about the sexual harassment at Winter Park and stuff. Uh, but in Arizona, by the time he got to Arizona, he was already mad at the media <laughs> you yeah. know, from back here. So he was on his guard from the first day down there in Arizona. And uh, so he was, uh, but he he'd never, I always said, we always thought we were getting to him, but he was, he was having just as much, all those babbling nonsensical answers he gave, those were just as for him to look out and see, are these idiots really writing this stuff down? You know, so that was uh, that was kind of so. No, I don't think so, Murphy. Never. Did you ever have a really good screaming hockey? There was some potential for those once in a while. Those those hockey coaches have a tendency to go off. Not in Minnesota, they weren't. Jock was very mild mannered, and and even yeah. Boudreaux, you know, he's he can get a little bit crusty, but nothing that's uh, that I can. The worst thing I had was uh, I got into it with Randy Moss. Uh, the second oh, yeah. time around, when he was in, remember they they played the Jets on a Monday night, and Favre passed to him, and there was a record set, and there was a storm. Five hundred touchdowns. Yeah, that's what it yeah. was. And I wanted to ask about it, and he got testy, and I said, "Well, you know, the fans want to know." And he said, mm-hmm. uh, "You know, whatever, whatever." He said, yeah. "Get out, get out of my face," or something like that. And I've had a couple of uh, hot confrontations with Zimmer. Uh, but behind the scenes, nothing at the podium for something yeah. I wrote as well. But yeah. like I said earlier, I've at least been down to his ranch a couple of times. I think he thinks oh. I'll be his huckleberry because of that, and I can't do that. So yeah, well, I, I love Zim when he gets the red cheeks. They're playing too good right now. He's in too good a mood. You know, I, he's much more fun when things are struggling than he gets that red rear end on him. Because uh, uh, that's that. But uh, yeah, he's. Uh, I, I, I never really. I, I guess there's probably some there, but I just can't quite remember them. Hell, you know how good my memory is, Murph. Yeah. Today, today I had a calendar right, and I said, "Well, Lindsay Whelan has her press conference at two thirty, and I got to go over there and cover the, her first game Friday night." I'll see you there. I, <laughs> I, I want to get some stuff. So I'm going to go see Lindsay today at 2.30, so I'll just go over there and write at the uh, pavilion and go over and see Lindsay. The only problem is I was 26 hours early. Yeah, <laughs> it's Thursday. <laughs> there you go. All right, Pat, we'll uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow, sir. All right, see you, Jens. All right, Pat, thanks so much. Hey, thanks for having me, man. You got it. It was fun, Murph. All right, we'll take care, everybody.